Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashams in Johannesburg, South Africa, and by Adrian Barnard in the UK. And on this week's show, we talk more about women's football as Zambia, Kenya, the Gambia and Zimbabwe were among the winners in the first round qualifiers in the 2018 Africa Women's Cup of Nations. I think we need to camp for, for a long time. You can see Zambia is a very tough opponent. Also, we speak to Femi Opanbunmi, the youngest player ever to represent Nigeria at the World Cup. But later he lost much of his eyesight and has had financial struggles and even contemplated suicide. We hear Opanbunmi's touching story. I've learned a lot of lessons in life. The lesson I learned is that whenever things is going good, always think. Always think that in a moment anything can change. And we review a dramatic week in European football as Barcelona exit the Champions League at the quarter-final stage and Manchester City lose three games in a row. That's coming later, but let's start with women's football as the first-round qualifiers for the 2018 Africa Women's Cup of Nations took place over the past week or so. Now, last week we heard from the Gambia. They're in the qualifiers for the first time and they did well to beat Burkina Faso on penalties after the tie ended 3-3 on aggregate. So congratulations to the Gambia's women. They've got the second round tie they were dreaming of, taking on Africa's strongest side in women's football. That's Nigeria. Well, those first round winners go to a second and final qualifying round in June and the winners of those ties go to the finals in Ghana in November. Eight teams will play at the finals. There were first round buys for Nigeria, for Cameroon, South Africa and Equatorial Guinea. Well, in those first round qualifiers, Ethiopia beat Libya by a staggering 15-0 on aggregate, winning 8-0 away and 7-0 at home. Lesotho beat Swaziland 3-1 on aggregate. Ivory Coast beat Morocco on away goals. Algeria edged Senegal 3-2 on aggregate. Kenya beat Uganda 1-0 on aggregate. And Congo Brazzaville made it through, beating the Central African Republic. Well, here in Harare, Zimbabwe went through 4-0 on aggregate after beating Namibia 2-0 in the second leg to line up a second-round tie against Zambia, who beat Tanzania on away goals after their tie ended 4-4 on aggregate. Well, I spoke to Zimbabwe captain Talent Mandaza, who admitted that Zimbabwe's mighty warriors were not well prepared. They were more difficult. I think it was because they'd, they'd been in camp for a long time, like about two months in camp, yet we had about almost two weeks in camp. So considering the match fitness, I think they were much fitter than us. But I think experience also helped us. As you can see, the group is, is made up of experienced players, so we managed to contain them. So ahead of the second round, what do you think the Mighty Warriors need to do? I think we need to camp for, for a long time. You can see Zambia is a very tough opponent. So we have to be in camp for a long time. We have to be match fit for us to, to beat Zambia. So Zimbabwe will need to prepare much better as they get ready to take on Zambia in June. And going to that game gave me a bit of a sad picture of the struggles that many women footballers go through on the continent. 
Both Zimbabwe and Namibia don't have women's football leagues running at the moment, although there are hopes that the season will start in the coming weeks here in Zimbabwe. And uh, shockingly, the Zimbabwe team staged a sit-in at their training base after the game, as they say they were just given $5 transport money to go home and not given the allowances that they were due. The players are owed $800 for the two games against Namibia. The Zimbabwe Football Association say they will honour what they owe. However, many of the players are still owed an additional $300 from games played last year. Well, last week we asked how serious Africa is about women's football. And now 24 teams entered the qualifiers for the Women's Nations Cup. And there are 54 nations in the Confederation of African Football, meaning that more than half of the countries in Africa didn't enter these qualifiers. Well, on WhatsApp, Musa K. Turai in The Gambia says, In terms of women's football, Africans don't give enough encouragement to their women who love the game. Women are being demotivated in all the sporting disciplines in Africa, not only football. I, for one, think this is the reason why many women are engaged in other things apart from sport, says Musa. Sana Jaune in The Gambia agrees, saying it's still a concern. I don't think Africa is yet serious about women's football. Due to the bias we have against women in football, it'll be a big problem for it to improve, says Sana. Alfred Mdimba in Malawi agrees, saying Africa is not serious about women's football. Africa is lagging behind even in netball, and many African nations didn't even enter the Women's Nations Cup qualifiers. Indeed, Alfred's own country, Malawi, is one of the 29 nations that didn't enter a team for this Women's Nations Cup competition. In Ghana, Emma also agrees, uh, we're not really serious, says Emma. I believe this should have been a way to showcase most of the women's talents across the continent. Having a qualifying field of 32 teams would have been better, says Emma. Yes, a good point there, but with so many nations not entering the team, the competition had to be reduced accordingly. We always welcome your voice notes uh, from the Gambia. Here's Ebrima Kante. Yes, I agree with you that some of the federations in Africa are not taking women football seriously, but I believe CAF and FIFA have a big role to play. They should pressurize these football federations so that they can at least give some priority to ladies, because I am very disappointed in some of the federations, but for my country, the Gambia, at least we are the under-17 that took us, take us to Azerbaijan, are the ones that are graduating to, to the senior side, and they are going to the qualifiers, and they are playing against Burkina Faso. But I'm not happy with some of the federations in Africa. They are not giving any priority to women football, only for men, only for men. And that is not telling. So they should at least give some priority to women football. Thanks there to Ebrima Kante. Mohamed A.K. Kamara, also in the Gambia, says, No, currently here in Africa we do not do enough about women's football. The system for women's football in most African nations is very weak compared to Europe and other continents, especially in West African countries like the Gambia. Secondly, women's football is so weak because almost 75% of people in Africa are not interested in it, says Mohamed. Now, Obina is in Nigeria, whose Super Falcons team have a bye to the second round of the qualifiers. Africa isn't serious about women's football because they haven't helped it to grow and flourish, says Obina. Very few African countries have female leagues, which says so much about the interest in women's football in Africa. 
to Malawi now, and Patrick Mwamlima says, first of all, let me start with highlighting on the African society. Here, they don't give much attention to women's issues. Women's football doesn't receive much attention, including funding. It's high time Africa gave its women a fair platform to prove themselves, says Patrick. You'll see women's sports committees dominated by men, and even men coaching a lot of women's teams, says Patrick. Al-Haji Saidi Khan in the Gambia agrees, saying, Well, I think women's footballers lacked the means to prepare, and they are neglected as well. Maybe a bit of support both financially and in facilities, especially at club level, might do, says Al-Haji. Sel Tucker, also in the Gambia, says, For me, investment has to be in place in terms of funding to encourage more young players in the game. We must also improve the game by providing technical assistance through top coaching staff and competing in regular tournaments and friendlies. If we can do this, says Sel, we'll certainly put African women's football in the limelight. And Samba Kande in the Gambia agrees, saying, Well, this simply shows that African women's football is given very little attention compared to their male counterparts, says Samba. I think women's football should be given all the necessary motivation to be able to strike through to the global tournaments because they can probably achieve what their male counterparts haven't achieved by winning the World Cup one day. Yeah, good point to there, Samba. And to comments along the same theme from Alassane Drame and Aliubi Conte in the Gambia. Firstly, Alassane says the mentality of most Africans about women is more of a housewife than other activities, and more especially sport. And Aliou agrees, saying, in my opinion, in Africa, women are only concentrating more on their domestic work in the home, like cooking, laundry and household management, rather than football. Only a few nations participate more in football, like Ghana and Nigeria, but the rest are not very serious about women's football. That's why in Africa, women's football is not that developed, says Aliou. Well, finally on this, here's a voice note from Ebrima Ba in the Gambia, who's a bit more positive. To me, Africa is uh, getting more serious about women's football because if you could remember in the previous years, there were no such improvement in women's football in Africa like how it is today. Although out of 54 countries, only 24 are competing. It's not quite enough. Uh, but this is because there are some obstacles that are uh, not giving away for uh, women's football in Africa to and, uh, be like how it should be. One of these obstacles is the parents. Most African parents don't want their children, uh, especially girls, to play football because they have the belief that it is a waste of time, which is obviously not true. And the other one is that most African people don't want to watch women when they play because if you go to most of the African countries uh, when women are playing, you go to the field, you'll find no or few spectators watching the, uh, that game, which is not under something that is uh, uh, encouraging when you come to women's football in Africa. And the other one is uh, finance, financial uh, support is lacking. There's no financial support when you come to and the women's football in Africa, which is also something that is affecting women's football to be like it should be in Africa.
and I hope that all these obstacles, there are many, many obstacles that are not paving a way for women's football in Africa to go. Uh, but I think if uh, these obstacles are dealt with, uh, there will be a better uh, women's football in Africa. But to me, I see uh, Africa becoming more serious about women's football. And uh, I believe that in the coming years, there will be, you know, um, more than what have qualified for this competition. Well, thanks a lot to Ebrima Bar there for that a very comprehensive and informative look at the issues concerning women's football. Uh, here in Zimbabwe, we do have a culture of watching women's football, although it's often the case that admission is free, so that does attract big crowds. For last Sunday's game between Zimbabwe and Namibia, the charge was a dollar uh, compared to three dollars for men's Premier League games. There was a much smaller crowd than usual as it wasn't free, although still about three or four thousand fans did turn up. But we have had crowds as big as 30,000 in the past for women's games here in Harare when admission has been free. Well, thanks so much for all of those comments there on women's football. Uh, this week on social media, something completely different, as we're asking, what do you think about Barcelona's Champions League exit? Uh, a shock quarter-final exit from the Champions League for Barcelona last Tuesday as Roma won the second leg 3-0 to take the tie on away goals. Now, some critics are saying that Barcelona's empire is crumbling. But in the Spanish La Liga, Barcelona are clear leaders and unbeaten all season. So what do you make of Barcelona's Champions League exit? You can go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Barcelona, one of the most popular teams in Africa. What do you think about their Champions League quarter final exit? Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, and you can download our app and listen to the show any time. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Once you've downloaded, you can listen to the show any time on the app and access past programs too in our archive. You can also listen on our website, planetsportfootballafrica.com, and our Twitter handle is at planetsportfa. Well, now to our interview with Nigeria's Femi Opanbunmi, who won the silver boot as the second top scorer at the 2001 FIFA Under-17 World Championship in Trinidad and Tobago, as Nigeria finished runners-up to France in the final. A year later, at 17 years, three months and nine days, Opanbunmi became the youngest player ever to represent Nigeria at the World Cup when he played against England at the 2002 edition. Opanbunmi played for his country at under-23 level in 2003. He spent three years at Swiss side Grasshopper and a season in Israel with Hapoel Beersheba before joining French outfit FC Nyor in 2004. But a serious problem with his eyes stopped his career in 2006. Opanbunmi suffers from glaucoma and he lost much of his eyesight with cloudy vision in both eyes. After an operation, he now has sight in his left eye and no vision at all in his right eye. He's been struggling financially since these problems started and even contemplated suicide at one point. Well, Opanbunmi, who's a follower of Jesus Christ, shared his story with Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okaleji. I was having an eye problem. Then later on, I regained my one eye. 
So after I gain the one eye, you know, when there is no weird, I invest a lot of my money, all of my money there. And when there is life, there is no hope, we always turn to God because He's the God that can help. He's the only one, the creator of heaven and earth, the only one that can open the door nobody can shut. So I rely on Him and I pray and I know that God will be there for me and help me out of this situation. Tell me how it all started. I mean, you were playing for a French club called FC Niort, and then suddenly, what happened? I was playing for FC Niort in France. Suddenly, I wake up one day, then I started seeing that my eyes is not seeing where. Well. They have to go for specialists. Then after the specialists say this and that, we go for operation. After the operation, then they told me that they don't understand my case is complicated. They have to come down to Nigeria, going from one solution to another. But now that I can see that it's only God you can put upon me. So and I rely on God. I regain one eye. So now I appreciate God for the one eye I'm seeing with now. So I will always appreciate God. That's how it started. That's how my story is. The problem with your eyes was the reason why you stopped football. Yeah, the problem with my eyes was the reason I stopped football when I, I was still active. At the under-17 level, you achieved success. On the under-17 level, I achieved success. I was the second top scorer, the top best player of the tournament. And I was picked in under, on the Super Eagles 2002, one year later, to play in the Senior World Cup, the biggest event in the history of football. I was picked and played. I was the third youngest player ever in the history of World Cup to play in the World Cup. So after then, then after then, three years later, four years later, I started having my challenges. But I shall appreciate God because if God be with you, nobody will be against you. Sometimes you think of commission suicide, but you think a lot of thinking. Oh, let me just go. Let me just go. And jump inside water to die, but sometimes then you someone call it that when there is life, there is hope, and God is my strength. I mean, a lot of people listening now will wonder, I mean, you made money playing football. How could you suddenly go broke because of one problem? Yeah. <laughs> you, can make, you can have billions. If challenges come your way, my brother, you will not have one nera with you. We always pray to God that the challenges that will come our way, that will make us commit suicide, we should pray to God that it should not come our way. It's not easy. How have you been living since that period when you lost everything, your money, your contract, and um, your football career? Well, life is hard then, but I thank God some of my colleagues come to my rescue, like Osazio Dewege, Olofijano. A lot of them come to my rescue. That's the one that people will know. That's why I make sure. Because the rest of them is like a friend in Ibadan. You understand? So what are the lessons you've learned from this situation you found yourself? I mean, from someone who you've mentioned now, you played at the Under-17 World Cup, Senior World Cup, you have medals to show for it. What are the lessons you've learned now that you have this problem and your career was cut short? I've learned a lot of lessons in life. The lesson I learned is that Whenever things is going good, always think. Always think that in a moment, anything can change. But always invest wisely, again, to use my own as an example. So that I, and I pray that the young coming players, that they should invest well wisely 
and they will, the sky will be their limit of their success. When I look back, when I look at my children, my wife, I always feel happy that at least I have something to show in life. So whenever I see them, when I call upon them, we sit down, we just, we laugh, then I say I have reason to live again in life. Um, my brother, I've learned a lot of lessons because nobody knows tomorrow. Because you can say you can play this game for a long time and something will come up and shut your career. Only God knows tomorrow. Nobody knows tomorrow. So I just want to play to the young players in all Africa that they are coming up, that they should always think of tomorrow in life, in whatever they do. And they should always invest to take my own as an example, to learn. So I pray for them that they will not fall in Jesus' name. That's Nigeria's Femi Opanbunmi speaking to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okaleji. So back in 2002, the honour of becoming the youngest player ever to play for Nigeria at the World Cup. But just a few years later, problems with his eyes had brought his career to an early end and he went through so many difficult times since then. And Solomon, that story certainly tells us that anything can happen in life uh, even when things seem to be going well. I remember uh, Femi Opabu me very, very well. as a very prolific uh, scorer of goals and young star coming through uh, who never really lasted uh, in his uh, football career. And, uh, you know, he disappeared. And I myself was wondering what happened to him. But hearing his story, uh, life is just very un- uncertain and uh, anything can happen in life. Sometimes we trust in our skill as a footballer, in our knowledge, in our education. Uh, we trust in our connections and the people that we know or the family we come from. Uh, and when certain things happen, uh, no family, no skill, no education, no connection could help one. And uh, it's good to see and hear Femi Opabumi saying that, look, his own very much appreciation about life has grown and, and his appreciation of who Jesus is has grown so much. You know, though he came to a point where he wanted to commit suicide or take his life away because he lost his vision. But he is somebody that, that really put his hope in God. He put his hope in Jesus and it's also the hope for him for tomorrow. Knowing that today things might be different, but tomorrow things are going to change. And in the midst of his pain and disappointment and a dream that was shattered, he held on to that and he trusted that, you know, only Jesus could help him. And it's just important, you know, uh, for each and every one to know that nothing in life is permanent. And, and it's good to know that whatever setback you face in your life, whatever challenge, whatever pain the situation brings in your life, that is not the end. Make sure you have hope. Even inside of you, if you feel you're losing hope, you know, try to reach out and stretch your hand to, to Jesus, to God, just like Femi Opabumi just did. He's the only hope that you need because this is a story of hope, a hope for him that came through Jesus. Yes, sure. Well, thanks very much, Solomon. That's a really touching story there from Femi Opanbunmi, the Nigerian. Well, next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, let's talk European football. And what a week of drama it was in the Champions League and in the English Premier League. 
We'll talk about Barcelona's shock exit shortly as Planet Sport Football Africa's Adrian Barnard joins me from the UK. But first, Adrian, a staggering statistic is that Manchester City have lost three games in a row and they're out of the Champions League and their English Premier League celebrations were delayed by defeat to their city rivals. Yes, it's incredible, isn't it, Steve? Before last weekend, City had lost only once in the league all season. That was the 4-3 defeat to Liverpool back in January. And now, as you say, they've lost three on the trot. So what's gone wrong? Has the bubble burst at the Etihad Stadium? Well, the first of those three defeats was to Liverpool in the Champions League quarterfinal first leg. And quite simply, I think, it was that Pep Guardiola was outfoxed by Jurgen Klopp. Remember, Liverpool raced into a 3-0 half-time lead in that game and this was uncharted territory for City. They didn't really seem to know how to respond. And then, three days later, against their fierce rivals Manchester United in the league, they quickly went two up, knowing that a win would seal the Premier League title. United were abject in the first half and whatever it was that Jose Mourinho said to the team at half-time, it certainly worked. As United came out with a completely different outlook in the second half, and spoiled the party. Maybe City were complacent after going two up at the interval, but they should have known that United would come back at them, especially in a fierce local derby where winning means everything to the fans. And not only did they lose that, but they also conceded three goals for the second time in three days. And then in the third fixture, knowing they had to come back from three down in the Champions League against Liverpool on Tuesday, well, that was always going to be a very big ask. They did get off to the best possible start with Gabriel Jesus scoring after two minutes. But again, Pep was outfoxed by Klopp and uh, he lost his cool being sent to the stands before half-time as Liverpool inflicted City's third successive defeat and second successive home defeat. This season, Liverpool have been City's nemesis. They have scored an incredible 18%, almost one-fifth of all the goals scored against City this year. That's quite remarkable. And what can we say, Steve, about striker Mo Salah? In the second leg match against City, he scored his 39th goal of the season. He just can't stop scoring. He must love playing in England. Yeah, sure. So Manchester City fans not expecting those three defeats, but uh, they can still wrap up the English Premier League title as early as this Saturday. So it is inevitable, isn't it? Yes, Steve, I think it certainly is, but it might not be confirmed this weekend. Right now, City have a 13-point cushion at the top of the table ahead of Manchester United, and both teams have got six games left. But on Saturday, City face another very tough fixture away to fourth place Tottenham. And they're unbeaten in the league since the 16th of December. That's when City won 4-1 at the Etihad. So it's going to be very tough for City to pick up any points this weekend against Spurs. So what about Manchester United? Well, they can close the gap when they play on Sunday against bottom side West Bromwich Albion. United have won their last six league games, including that 3-2 win at City last weekend, of course. So we can expect them to win against West Brom, for whom relegation is looming large. Overall, yes, I think it's quite clear the title is going to go to Manchester City. And uh, how frustrating will this be for Manchester City manager Pep Guardiola to have fallen short in the Champions League again? Well, Steve, it's no secret at all that the Champions League has very much been Pep's main aim this season. City are on course to win the Premier League, but in Pep's eyes, this comes second to success in Europe. 
Remember, he's won the title twice before with Barcelona. That was in 2009 and 2011. But he failed in his ambition to win it when he moved on to Bayern Munich. He's desperate to win the Champions League now for the third time and this may well explain his fury in Tuesday's quarter-final second leg tie against Liverpool when he stormed onto the pitch to confront the referee after he disallowed what would have been a second City goal with a tie still very much open. Pep got sent to the stands for that and yes, he must be very frustrated now. To many, he's the best coach in the world but he hasn't won a Champions League title now since 2011 and that haunts him. Yes, and Adrian, what a huge shock on Tuesday night as Roma overturned a 4-1 first-leg scoreline to beat Barcelona 3-0 and to go through to the Champions League semi-finals on away goals. Uh, humiliating for Barcelona, even more so as their biggest rivals Real Madrid went through to the semi-finals. So how much do you read into Barcelona's exit? Uh, is this a team in decline? Because on the other hand, they are unbeaten all season in La Liga and way clear at the top there. Are Barcelona in decline, Steve? How could anyone suggest that? They're unbeaten in the Spanish league all season, as you say. They're leading the table by 11 points and there were just seven games left to play. No, Steve, this defeat to Roma was a blip. A very bad blip, yes, but you could put it down to Roma's passion. A 4-1 down after the first leg, they had nothing to lose, remember. And also, it could be argued that there was poor team selection on the night by the Barcelona manager Ernesto Valverde. So is this the end for Barcelona? No way. They'll be back. Well, thanks very much, Adrian. And uh, this week on social media, we're asking, what do you think about Barcelona's Champions League exit? Uh, some people are saying that Barcelona's empire is crumbling, but they are still clear leaders in the Spanish La Liga. So what do you make of their Champions League exit? You can go to our Facebook page. That's Planet Sport Football Africa. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Barcelona with many, many fans all across Africa. But what do you think about their Champions League exit? Well, that's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Solomon Ashams in South Africa and Adrian Barnard in the UK, thanks a lot for listening and Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production. <laughs>